0: Hey friends, this is Jessica Levity Day Lover, reminding you that you are not alone on the polyamorous path. If you're looking for peer support or coaching on your non-monogamous journey, and you wanna work with the day lovers, head to remodeledlove.com and book with us today.
1: Let's put it in another dimension for the moment. Let's suppose we we are
0: thinking of a relationship that is not just to people. People are very obviously other and independent of one's ego, but give it to everything. Say to everything, say to it all, now it's your turn let's see what you're gonna do let it happen you know you you do this complete let off of control and you find you get the sensation that, that everything else is living you it lives you that you've given away control you see to everything else it's a lovely irresponsible state to be in but then you see you do the flip in giving away the control you got it you got the kind of control you wanted that's to say, where you had a loving relationship to the world, but you didn't have to make up your mind what it should do. You let it decide.
1: I fall in love just a little, oh, little bit, every day with someone new. I fought in love just a little, oh, little bit, every day with someone new.
0: You're listening to Remodeled, the podcast. Remodeled is a project whose goal is to expand the cultural narrative on healthy relationships in order to include ethical non-monogamy, non-partnered, asexual, open, and more. We are here to redefine love. I fall in
1: love just a little, a oh, little bit every day with someone new. I fall in love just a little, oh, a little bit every day.
0: Everyone, you're listening to Remodeled the Podcast. I am your polyamorous, very fucking pregnant mama, Jessica Levity Daylover, broadcasting from the Dream Life studio here in the basement of our house in Reno, Nevada. With me as always, is the man who writes the letter S, starting at the bottom of the S and then drawing upward. It's my husband, Joseph Daylover.
1: The chip to your Joanna. (laughs) The Marge to your homer. Homer? I mean I've <laughs> kind of identified more with I feel like I'm the homemaker in some senses of the word. No and I am <laughs> I even though I am technically the breadwinner, I also feel like the housewife too. Like Marge. So, what am I? I don't know.
0: But... <laughs> oh my God. No, you I... guys, I do nothing. I just sit around all day eating thin mints out of the freezer. And
1: Do you identify with Marge or Homer more than the other?
0: Honestly, I can see why I'm Homer, Like, (laughs) but then you have some very Homer moments. Totally, Like, this bitch ate my fucking leftovers, and that's a crime anyway, but when your wife is like three weeks from delivering your baby, meaning she's in the really fucking pregnant phase, he ate my leftovers, y'all, and I had saved it, and I was coveting, because you know, it's like I'm at that phase of pregnancy where I take one bite and I'm full, but I still want this thing and so I was saving it and I got hungry again and then I walked upstairs (laughs) and saw that it was gone. There's
1: been a few of these mishaps recently where you've left things out and I've just kind of mopped them up and typically I'm on top of my protocols, but I've been letting it slip. I don't know what's going on there.
0: Right. And so how dare you call me Homer (laughs) because in these moments I'm very Marge.
1: Right. Absolutely. Back to the S thing. What's your problem with me writing my S's from the bottom?
0: I've just, I've never seen it done before.
1: I've been called out on it by my students in class. Like, do you write your S's starting (laughs) up from the bottom? And I'm like, yeah. Is there another way to do it?
0: I think it's very weird. I've never seen anyone do it. You also text with your pointer finger.
1: Right. I do the left thumb and my right pointer finger.
0: (laughs) And there have been, like, I mean, I've had a TikTok go viral where the point of the TikTok is that you're texting someone, but then hella comments were like, is he texting with his pointer finger?
1: They're just hating on my style. I mean, left and right. I don't know what to tell you.
0: Well, this is episode 10 of Remodeled. We're hoping to finish the season. A season is 12 episodes before this baby comes. But it was a fucking marathon to get this episode out, y'all. Like, I am so... Tired.
1: In other words, you are so pregnant. (laughs)
0: Yeah, and like, I like to have episodes out at the beginning of the week, and...
1: Babe, you're crushing it. Don't even try to apologize for yourself right now. Thank you.
0: I just, I really care, and I want to put out great shit, and it's just, you know, we record at the end of the night when we get our toddler in bed, and for the first nine episodes, I could do it, and then now I'm like, oh my god, eight o'clock at night plus, dream husband over here promised to rub my feet and my legs while we watch a movie in our bed and like i'm like fuck the podcast
1: right right but your dedication is showing in this moment
0: yeah well this is like my favorite thing right now well so to update you we hit five thousand downloads this week
1: hell yeah that's yeah. awesome
0: and normally i wait till the end to do this but because I'm super pregnant and just kind of want to plug it for ourselves right now. People have been asking, do we have a registry? How can they support us? The best way to support us right now is you can become a member of our Patreon uh, for as little as $3 a month for as up to $50 a month. If you just want to send us a one-time fee, like a one-time gift. Thank you for the content that you make. Thank you for what you guys are doing. My Venmo is at Jessica-Levity. My cash app is dollar sign Jessica-Levity. You can also send me a coffee on ko Ko-fi, um, com slash Productions. All of this you can find at homesliceproductions.com slash remodeled. Um, you can find links to ways to financially support us. There's nothing that we need. What we need is cash because we need to pay off our midwives and our doula and our lactation consultant we owe about $1,500 so uh,
1: we have an amazing birth team here
0: we do and they're working with us since we we in a panini we a medicaid family now so yeah if you want to say thank you for what we've done and the content we're putting out just send us money
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you in advance yeah
0: or just enjoy and share with your friends and let us see our analytics go up because that's also satisfying as well
1: as is the fan mail that we get on a routine basis
0: yes that is amazing i sent joe two pieces of fan mail today that just uh so amazing i mean even low (laughs) i joke that like people are like oh, the gay agenda. And I'm like, oh, I have a gay agenda. I also have a poly agenda. But we have actually converted several people into polyamory. And today we got an email from someone else locally that was like, I listened to your podcast and realized I wanted to be polyamorous. And then I had my husband listen to it. And he wants to be polyamorous, too. And
1: well, in line with our spiritual outlook, what really happened is you just freed up something that was already within them.
0: Yeah, And absolutely. we'll talk about
1: this a little bit later.
0: Yes. Well, and so that does um, segue perfectly. Um, We got an email. Actually, I think it was a DM on Instagram saying, Hey, Jess and Joe, you guys have hinted at your spirituality several times. Can you talk more about your spirituality and how it ties into your polyamory? And I have to tell you, babe, I'm really kind of insecure about this episode, which is weird for me because, you know, what? I know. You know, my faith and my spirituality is the thing that I could talk about forever. Yeah. Because I know that a huge section of our dedicated audience will not care about this topic.
1: They might. You never know.
0: Right. And normally I'd be like, great, cool. It's not for them because the people that it will land in their world are going to love this episode, but I'm having a little bit of my, but I want everyone to like every episode all the time ever. I swear to God, do not critique this episode. If you love this episode and you want to write in, <laughs> <everybody> <laughs> love at gmail.com, please do so. If you have critiques of this episode, I am not in a space to hear it. I'm too pregnant. I do not give a fuck. So...
1: Here we are. I think that more will resonate with it than you are projecting because our brand of spirituality sort of transcends various belief systems and allows people who might identify differently a way to connect.
0: Yeah, and honestly, if you're listening to this and you're not a spiritual person and the title of the episode alone was not enough to get you to not listen, like if you've made it this far, I would encourage you to please listen because it's going to be a really smart episode. We are funny and smart as always. Yeah. <laughs> And now you're about to see how fucking weird we really
1: are. Truly (laughs) weird. So buckle in. It's going to be an awesome ride. I'm looking forward to this episode, actually, because I think there's a connotation of polyamory that's, you know, selfish and therefore secular and not really grounded in spirit or anything like that. And so we're here to disprove that shit.
0: Yeah. So I always talk about how forever I was like, I'm going to write a book about being polyamorous someday. And instead I launched this podcast. Well, the opening chapter to that book was called The Three Reasons I'm Polyamorous, and that's how I would like to start this episode.
1: Three reasons. I'm surprised you narrowed it down to three. I know you've got a really long list, so I'm curious to see what made it to the top.
0: But these are the broader categories. Got it. So the three reasons, and I have reasons, quote unquote, because I don't, reasons implies choice almost. I felt like I needed to put reasons in quotes. The three reasons I'm polyamorous are number one, I'm wired this way. I genuinely know and feel that nature designed me polyamorously. I naturally love people very easily. I love more than one person at a time. I have no problem sharing love. I like to see people in love. I do struggle with jealousy from my programming and probably early childhood wounding, but for the most part, I'm naturally compersive. And I just, I know without a doubt that I am wired polyamorously and that I am not wired monogamously.
1: You know, this is one of my favorite things about you. Inside of all that, what you mentioned, I've always loved how happy you get for other people when you're watching them fall in love. Whether you're a part of that or not, just as a friend or as a side lover or whatever the case may be, I think it's always an incredible attribute that you've had. <laughs>
0: that's, the, that's the sound I make when people are falling in love, especially if it's a queer love story. I get oh, extra yeah. excited.
1: Extra feels. And that noise in particular is, is what gets me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. Thank you. Number two reason I'm polyamorous is the values of polyamory align with my personal values.
1: And what are those?
0: I find that boundaries, sort of like geographic boundaries, are a means of control and that real love flows boundary free. I know that sounds kind of problematic because I'm always trying to be careful to say I don't think polyamory is holier or better than monogamy. It's about living the one that you're wired for. And so when I say something like I just said it, it kind it does come out that like I actually do feel polyamory is the better, more pure way, but let me just disclaimer that this is my feeling. I think polyamory promotes First of all, a journey back to yourself more than monogamy does. That value is in alignment with me. I think it promotes personal growth, personal responsibility, self-reliance, personal freedom, um, responsibility for one's own happiness, the need to communicate, take responsibility for personal communication like an adult. And it also encourages self-exploration in a way that I don't find in monogamy. And I could go on and on and I didn't show prep enough, but the values of polyamory the things that you have to hold in order to be a healthy polyamorous person are super in alignment with who i want to be as a person.
1: I would definitely throw creativity as a value in there that is pretty chief to your character and i think that you're always creating things you're always making things and you're always collaborating with other people and i think that that spirit is polyamorous in nature.
0: I oh, thank you. I love that. Amen to that. I am collaboration is my favorite hobby. Absolutely. I think the biggest value of polyamory that aligns with my personal value is that it is a myth that one person can satisfy all of your needs. So whether that's a lover, a friend, uh, anything, I, I think that that is a unhealthy, dysfunctional cultural myth that one person can satisfy all of someone. And so that's the biggest value that's in alignment with who I am as a person and why I practice polyamory because it allows me to freely express myself and be fulfilled in multiple ways without unrealistically putting the weight of that onto one person.
1: Right, right. And that's something we've talked about in previous episodes before, where we have various dynamics with different people that are all unique in their own way, and they all serve us in different ways. And so polyam is a way to allow that to truly flourish.
0: Well, and I think sexuality is a huge, at least if you are a sexual person, obviously. There are demisexual and asexual people out there who maybe don't feel that sexuality is a very important part of their personal health and happiness. Um, but if you are a very sexual person, then it is a part of your health and happiness. And for me, being able to explore sexuality with multiple partners fulfills me in a self-care healing way that I can't, I just, <laughs> I can't fathom only having sex with one person forever, that is just would not work for me.
1: Right. And the way that I've come to understand monogamy over the years as we've gone deeper into polyam is to scale it back and look at it from a different perspective of you're basically a sexual monk, but... As a monk, you get to have sex with one person.
0: Yeah, I've had that same thought before. Have we talked about
1: that? We have definitely talked about this where it seems ludicrous from the outside, but then if you scale it back and go, okay, what if you're a monk and you don't have sex at all? Okay, that is a very spiritual path, a very high path, one might say. And underneath that, you would have monogamy where you're a monk basically still, but you get to have sex with one person.
0: I have, I'm just an extremely sexual person. It's one of my earliest memories is I was a very sexual child. Um, I feel like I was just like born with these sexual desires and desire for exploration and curiosity. And I actually find a lot of personal growth from exploring it, especially in areas that challenge me. There's a lot to my sexuality that is like still this big question mark and myth that I hope. To uncover before I die.
1: Right. And how exciting is that to just invite different energies to come into your life to serve you on that path?
0: Yeah. Which brings me to the third reason that I'm polyamorous is because polyamory takes me deeper into my spirituality which is the most important thing in my life
1: okay so I want to hear about your spirituality I want to hear you package it in a way that will make sense for everyone because you know I, I of course love your spirituality and I adore it but I know that it's kind of all over the place and very polyamorous in nature and therefore very hard to kind of package and so I'm curious to see how you're able to do that here
0: Yeah, so I was thinking, well, I'm going to have to explain what my spirituality is made of for everyone. And the only way that I can think to do that is to take you on like a linear timeline of my life.
1: Ooh, so we're going back to the Midwest, (laughs) y'all. Look out. To Orlando, Ohio.
0: Yeah, Ohio, Cincinnati. Queen City. So my earliest memories as a child are very witchy and metaphysical like I feel even though I had no spiritual mentors I'm not a religious family at all my mom's side not religious at all um, my dad is a hundred percent Jew who claims he found Jesus sometime in college and I think took me to church a couple times and would like read the Bible to me, but I thought it was super cheesy and awkward and I didn't resonate with it at all. I would describe myself as having a very secular childhood with no spiritual mentors.
1: Right. And so when you tell me the story about your dad, knowing your dad, that surprises and shocks me because I think of him as such a science guy. He's
0: very, he's a skeptic. It makes no sense because my dad thinks I'm the weirdest person on this planet. And I'm True. like, you fucking read the Bible to me. I like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I still ca- I still can't imagine him in that capacity. But at the same time, people have these various levels to their character that you might not be aware of.
0: Yeah, and also I think my dad might have been channeling something for me big time that he didn't even know about at the time. So, without any mentors, I just was naturally born very witchy and metaphysical. Um from a very young age, I was I realized now making up ceremonies. And so I would go outside and be like if I pull these sticks and these rocks from the river and put them in a circle and then call to the elements and then I would manifest stuff and I'm not going to get into it now, but some of the shit worked. Like I was practicing magic at a young age and getting results that are not explainable. And uh, it's so so hard not to tell a story, but I manifested some incredible shit that really validated like, wow, there is a magic in the universe and I'm tapped into it.
1: Right. And in another form, one might call that prayer. One might call it manifesting. One might call it ceremony. I mean, there are all these various ways of kind of looking at it, but at least what I know of your spirituality, it's... And mine too, it's just speaking what it is that you want and and believing and trusting that that will show up for you.
0: Yeah, and I actually can't believe that I said my mom didn't play a role in my spirituality at all because that is so not true. My mom, not religious. We didn't go to church. That whole side of the family, not spiritual at all. But my mom has a spiritual seat inside of her. And some of my fondest memories with my mom, my mom and I loved watching shows about like near-death experiences or like true life guardian angel, like episodes of Oprah. Uh, where like a a dad lifted a car off of a a kid who had been hit and there was a mysterious man who showed up and then they disappeared like a touched by an angel. I
1: was just about to ask, did you guys watch Touched by an Angel? My
0: mom and I watched Touched by an Angel religiously. There's that one country song too. I can't think of it right now about contacting angels. Fuck, I'm gonna have to look that up. But it's like a country song about having contact with angels. That was like our favorite song. And I had a very weird psychic connection with my great grandmother, my mother's grandmother, who I could not have possibly known things about, but as a child would tell my mom all these things. And she loved it. I think that my mom is too shy and quiet to pursue her own spirituality, but she loves to pursue it through me. And so I actually take it back. That was a huge piece of like, my mom definitely believes in angels and all this other stuff. And we definitely bonded over that more so than her other children.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah, I could see it.
0: Yeah. So then, you know, 2004 I go to college, University of Wisconsin-Madison. I decide to major in philosophy because why not? And at this point, I'm I'm not really thinking about religion or spirituality at all. And then I think my junior year, I start to have an affinity for metaphysics, and I spend all of my advanced courses, specifically taking metaphysical courses, and I come across Spinoza.
1: Oh, I can't wait for this part. Can you give us a quick definition of metaphysics? I know that it's sort of like a broad category, but when you say that, what exactly do you mean?
0: Well, like so within philosophy, is specifically Western philosophy, there's epistemology, that's how we know things. There's ontology. Ontology is like dealing with the nature of being. And then metaphysics is what exists exploring what exists in the universe and how it exists and then there's like existentialism right and so out of these four areas of philosophy that i could focus in metaphysics was where my heart was pulling me to because i just had a very natural understanding of the way that i thought things worked and i and i would get visions of of why things happened and it's like my dad is a pretty hardcore engineer and i feel like i'm wired for engineering too but it's like a spiritual engineer
1: hmm spiritual engineer you say
0: yeah so i feel like i have an affinity for how the universe works
1: you sort of noticing what's already there and recognizing patterns truths etc
0: yeah and i can feel it intuitively and i see it in my imagination so i come across spinoza and in the definition of spinoza you know he defines god as that which nothing greater can be thought god is that which is infinite so whatever is infinite is god.
1: Right, and everything within the physical world is a part of that. Right, and an so is ev-
0: everything is an expression of the infinite expressing itself infinitely. Correct. And I'm like holy shit it's the it's the there it is. That was like the definition I'd been looking for my whole life. I went out and got my first tattoo. It's on my left wrist. It's a Mobius. It's an infinity sign. And the reason I got it tattooed was because I was like, this is the one thing I have to know in order to figure out the rest of the universe is that everything is infinite and comes from the infinite. And so everything that you can think of exists because infinity is everything. And so Everything that you can possibly think of exists within infinity, including the opposite of infinity, which is the void.
1: Which I know that you love (laughs) (laughs) exploring, and you're all about talking about the void, going into the void. Well,
0: everything happens in the void. Exploring the void. Well, the void is the divine feminine. Everything happens inside of the void.
1: Right. And what you're describing now sounds to me like the transcendentalist tradition here in the 19th century U.S., which is something that is tied up with the new thought movement.
0: I'm getting there. Don't get ahead of me. Okay. I'm, so, so, I'm, I'm pushing mean... you
1: along, but I, 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 suppose that's kind of where my heart is too. And so that's when I hear that, that's what I think of, you know, Ralph Waldo Emerson and, and, Henry David Thoreau, and Walt Whitman, one of my favorite poets all right, of all time. Get, get out of my story. All right.
0: All right. So I'm in college. I discover Spinoza. I come across this principle of the infinity that I'm like, okay, this is the thing. This is the grounding thing that I need to understand to understand what God is. And I never had like, because then agnostics, skeptics will come up and be like, well, that's just math or science. That's not God. I really don't care. To me, just the idea of infinity is spiritual. So I don't have a need or a resistance to the idea of whether or not this definition Spinoza gives God like Spinoza didn't have to call that God It kind of sounds like he's describing the nature of the universe. Great. That's God. Like, I just, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have that need that skeptics and agnostics have to not call it that.
1: Right. It's almost like they're hedging their bet, calling it something else.
0: Well, I think that there's a resistance to the personification of God, and I neither have a resistance or a need for it, God, to be personified. I don't care.
1: Right. I think the resistance there is applying human traits and characteristics to a divine entity, some sort of figure hoisted up in the clouds, you know, raining down Thunderbolts is something that a lot of people have, and reasonably so, have resistance toward. And so I think they associate it with that, whereas for you, that's just a non-issue, whether that's personified or not.
0: So around this time, 2006, I'm also introduced to my first new agey stuff in Madison, Wisconsin. So I think I went to some like workshop above this tea shop on State Street with my friend Tara, and we watched... What the bleep do we know in the secret? Now, these are two extremely problematic new age crap, but there is some truth to the metaphysics. That's all I'm going to say. And in 2006, it was the thing that I needed to be like, I have felt this way my whole life. These movies are reflecting something that I have always known my whole life and that I have experienced and blah, 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 blah. It's like the metaphysics of manifesting, which again, my entire spirituality is problematic. I know that now I'm awakening to that now.
1: And when you say this, you mean it's problematic due to your privilege.
0: Yes. You know, maybe she manifested it. Maybe it's white privilege. (laughs) Right. And so I look back and, you know, we're only halfway through my spiritual timeline at this point. All of my idols are white. Right. And all of their beliefs are appropriated from indigenous and tribal cultures. Correct. I just, I wasn't woke to that at the time and I'm woke to it now and I'm really starting to understand how fucking problematic the whole new age belief system is. I want to table this because I just want to get through my timeline so we can get to yours. 2008 I moved to Reno I discover a religion called New Thought. It was formal, it was uh, developed by of course a white man named Ernest Holmes who was heavily influenced by the Transcendentalists. It was originally called Religious Science and then they rebranded to Science of Mind and then rebranded again to new thought because they wanted to get away from Scientology. There's no relation to Scientology.
1: <laughs> right. And, you know, I find all this kind of humorous because the ideas aren't new at all. It's just sort of repackaged and rebranded. In, in it's all fucking
0: way. appropriated. It's
1: all appropriated. And, but at the same time, there's still truth in it and there's still things that I identify greatly with. And so while I recognize its problematic nature and the misnomer of new thought, I still appreciate and value those core ideals. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, the ancestors of New Thought, according to the New Thought movement, Ernest Holmes, the Transcendentalists, Florence Scovel Shen, basically, I mean, these are just all white people who have taken on ancient mystic wisdom and repackaged it for the modern western world and to be honest with you if somebody were to ask me what is my spirituality i'm a mystic that's what i am the mystic traditions of every religion have always appealed to me and i don't care which one i am very polyamorous when it comes to my higher power like i don't care if my higher power is manifesting as krishna or the buddha or jesus or mary magdalene or any of the hindu gods or the native indigenous or the greek or the roman Like, I just am wet (laughs) (laughs) for the mystic traditions of everywhere.
1: What do you think it is about the mystic traditions that resonates with you?
0: Because it says, fuck the dogma. So like Christianity, a lot of dogma. Christian mystics, oh man, spirit is inside of you and expressing through you. It's very metaphysical. The mystics are the metaphysical of all religion the Sufis are the mystic traditions of Islam Kabbalists the mystic tradition of Judaism oh, they all have it and it's all about the um a posteriori which is a like academic philosophical term so there's two ways to know things the a priori knowing is the knowing you have in your head which is the very dogmatic religions you can know God by reading and studying a posteriori knowledge is knowledge through direct experience And the mystic traditions are all about having a direct experience of God. And that's why they're so fucking juicy to me.
1: And therein is the metaphysics tapping into the framework of what is in front of you.
0: Yeah, you're hearing Mama Day Lover in her zone right now. (laughs) Um, Around this time, too, enter me doing a lot of psychedelics. I love mushrooms. I love LSD.
1: Right, yeah. And these have a way of tapping you into higher realms of consciousness while also putting your ego in its place
0: yes absolutely and because i am a spiritual engineer when i take psychedelics i can see the universe working
1: right and it forces you to let go of the control
0: yeah well it's like you can fucking see infinity you see the mate the net the great net the matrix the the grid you see the grid it's actually called the grid Um, this is a collective experience people who do psychedelics have you see the fucking grid and i did some pretty crazy psychedelics with one of our super genius engineer friends one time and he just I remember it kicked in and he looked at me and he's like holy shit. It's <laughs> like yes. At around this time I start listening to a lot of Alan Watts and a lot of Ram Dass. Again, two white dudes who are fucking brilliant
1: amazing speakers
0: amazing I can just speakers. listen to
1: them talk all night long.
0: their wisdom is entirely appropriated and i don't think that they would deny that i mean watts is his expertise is zen buddhism ram das his ex- expertise is um, hinduism and the eastern like indian philosophies and they just made it digestible for western people
1: right and watts himself was a theologian originally and then kind of gravitated toward the eastern stuff and Ram Dass kind of similar was in the western view of the world which for him was academic and you know through your personal achievements you find yourself and then you know of course he left all that and then went and studied in India and with the Maharishi and all over the place and so it's a perfect marriage of east meets west in these guys at the time of the 60s counterculture US which was such an exciting time.
0: Totally and so I have listened to collectively hundreds and hundreds of hours of these guys like I just will listen I'll pull up a YouTube or a podcast and listen so other people like people are always like do you read books do you watch movies I don't really read books or watch movies or watch a lot of tv I list this is my nerddom like this shit right here
1: yeah we often go to sleep listening to either Ram Dass or Alan Watts and the thing that I love is not only are they brilliant speakers but their word choice and their delivery and just their stage presence is so spot on all of the time they are never off and you know me I laugh when I read the dictionary (laughs) and because it actually it helps me tune into spirit when something is perfectly worded I start laughing and sometimes I'll laugh to the point of tears when it's expressed so perfectly and both Alan Watts and Ram Dass have a way of doing that time and again and you hear them the audience listening to them just cracking up when they express something in a way that resonates and connects and captures a concept so brilliantly and perfectly and with a humorous edge to it as well
0: and so 2014, I have three extremely supernatural direct experiences <laughs> of Jesus. Get ready
1: for this, you guys.
0: It's so weird because, you know, I had no problems with Christianity. Like I said, I have no triggers around any religion. And that's lucky and a privilege to my upbringing because I know a lot of people are recovering Catholics or recovering Christians or recovering Mormons. And there's just a lot of trauma there. So they're like, even if I want to be spiritual, do not make it Jesus-y or Christiany at all because you will shut me out. And i i don't have any of that i actually think jesus is really fucking rad and in 2014 he came to me in three extremely supernatural experiences which not going to talk about on this podcast because i'm already probably weirding you out but they were very real
1: one of them was at a dashboard confessional concert (laughs) we were there to see third eye blind believe it or not but dashboard opened for them and you felt the presence of jesus
0: There's more to that story. Right. I just had to
1: mention it (laughs) because it's so random. Well, we want to acknowledge that we live in very queer circles. And so we recognize that the figure of Jesus and the tradition of Christianity is very problematic. And many expressions of that are directly harmful to people that we know and love. And so when we say that we're all about Jesus, we are not about any of that.
0: No, and in fact I usually call him Yeshua just to right. get around that, but my my relationship to Christ is very psychic. He comes to me in a very psychic, very cerebral way and I the in the metaphysics of Christ. The, okay, we're I can't even get into it. But he comes to me and comes into my life really powerfully for like 4 years. I get into The Ragamuffin Gospel by Brennan Manning, which is my favorite
1: another brilliant speaker.
0: Another and another white man he was an alcoholic his entire ministry and the ragamuffin gospel is all about how the true love of christ is all about loving you as you are and not how you should be even if that means you're a fucking alcoholic
1: right you know we all make mistakes and our ragamuffins kind of wayward wandering this earthscape
0: And at the same time that Christ comes into my life, I mean, at this time we've developed Alchemist Theater and I'm now preaching in my own hippy-dippy metaphysical theater that we produced and directed and developed so we could do whatever the fuck we wanted to do. And it was like everything I've always wanted church to be. And we had a pretty great following and an incredible band. And me and my best friend, who's a drag queen, were the ministers of every show. And it was really powerful. And at this time we lose the spiritual love of my life and music director of Alchemist Theater to drugs. I mean, not lose as in he died, but we had to remove him from our life.
1: Yeah, it was very, very uh, traumatic experience on many levels. And you have to imagine that when we're doing Alchemist Theater it was for us the marriage of what was before incompatible because we would always go to a church or a service and it would be one or the other. It would be really entertaining and the speaking would be on point and you would feel the spirit such as at a black church, but the message would be off. You know, they would, say anti-gay stuff in there. Whereas you might go to a new thought service and the message is on point but the delivery is all cheese. They don't really have the performance aspect of it down. And so Alchemist Theater for us was kind of the marriage of both cuz you and Chris are improv comedians was a brilliant performance but also good metaphysics.
0: Yeah, it was it was the fucking jam and people love that shit and it was like one of the greatest babies I've ever made.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun.
0: So in losing the spiritual and artistic love of my life into drugs, which, if you remember, we talk about having to remove someone from our life in episode three when it comes to parenting, that launched us into the twelve-step program because I needed I I needed to go to Al-Anon, which is the twelve-step support system for people who have you know loved ones who are drug addicts and alcoholics, and 12 steps became so foundational to my spirituality because the 12 steps is some of the most beautiful fucking spiritual self-reflective work i've ever seen in my life and this is why i love people in recovery more than i love people who never had to go through recovery because they have done the work
1: Yeah. I mean, if you really want to feel the presence of spirit, go to an AA meeting and you hear those folks talk about their experiences and wow, better than church, hands down.
0: Yeah, we we go to AA meetings just to hear spirit. Yeah, It's better than church for sure.
1: In the before times, to be clear,
0: yeah. And then finally, in 2017, I enter a two-year shamanic training program, which is was an intensive course. It was, for disclaimer purposes, um, run by a white woman who was trained in several different shamanic styles, including Incan and Peruvian uh, shamanic styles. She blended that with her own teachings and Reiki, and then North American Native spirituality. So, entirely appropriated entirely problematic we're working on fixing that now and taking responsibility and ownership for that but regardless the two-year course was life-changing walking the medicine wheel The the shamanic path. Ultimately, it is a journey of personal exploration and ultimately shadow work. And shadow work is a huge piece of my spirituality. And shadow work is why I love polyamory. Because More Lovers brings the shadow to me in a deep and efficient way. We'll get to that later. Yeah, so that is my spirituality.
1: Very nice. And so I'm looking forward to how we're going to launch off of all of that into how it informs your polyamory and your expression
0: well um real quick we're gonna take a very short break 45 seconds and when we come back we're gonna hear a much quicker version <laughs> of mr Daylover's spiritual mapping sure personal spiritual mapping and then we're gonna finish the episode by getting into how and why polyamory brings us both deeper into our faith and spirituality we'll be right back okay we're back and Mr. Daylover is going to give us a very brief summary of his what makes him the spiritual man he is today
1: sure well one obviously must acknowledge here our Catholic roots and I was born into the church I was baptized I received the sacraments I was an altar boy I was so sexy <laughs> I'm sorry I have to tell you that is so sexy to me Totally we went to church every Sunday my parents took it very very seriously and It was that sort of standard austere version of Catholicism. Okay, so I don't know if I actually had an official breaking point with the church, but I never really resonated too strongly with it because I was always finding myself afraid of God. And that was a God that I didn't really just jibe with. It just didn't make sense to me. Why would I be afraid of the creator of the universe? And wouldn't it be more of a loving, dynamic relationship at that point? But I don't remember ever saying, you know, like, fuck the church. I just kind of gradually slipped away from it. And moving to college on the West Coast was sort of the segue that I needed to just leave that piece of me behind. And eventually, I would say literature became my religion. Storytelling, I found more truth inside of characters and novels and great books than I did holy works or church services or anything like that because they were speaking about the real life human condition and just the trials of what it meant to be human and how to deal with all of that how to deal with the person that loves that is rejected that experiences heartbreak that puts their heart and soul into things and has to survive in this capitalist hellscape that we find ourselves in and having that level of social critique and commentary to me spoke more truth than what I remember growing up with my spiritual experiences. And so it kind of led to this sort of agnostic point of view that I I wasn't never really full on atheist, but at the same time I became more skeptical of the notion that there was God or a sentient being or anything like that. And, my outlook on the world became very much this like it's all a conspiracy fuck the machine nothing really matters because we're all just greedy human beings trying to survive and we're programmed by society to think a certain way and you have to understand this is in the context of the post 9/11 world where you know 9/11 obviously an inside job and so at that point how do you <laughs> I like how you just dropped that right just kind of throw that in there and so at that point, I mean, you you find yourself having this view of like, what does anything really matter? I mean, if everyone is just trying to get by in this world that is corrupt, then how can you find anything sort of transcendent inside of that? You might as well just go stick up a fucking gas station because what does it matter? I mean, not that I ever would, mind you. But at the same time, that was sort of the outlook that I had was that the real people in charge were in charge of institutions, and those were the people that were programming our lives, more or less. Anyways, could go on a long time about that. I came back to spirituality through a friend of mine gave me a book called The Tao Te Ching, and reading about one of the most ancient, it wasn't ever really a religion, but just sort of a philosophical outlook, the yin, the yang, things rise, things fall, that whole outlook on life of just being patient and not really getting attached, you know, sort of in that Eastern tradition really spoke and resonated with me strongly. And there are a lot of many things I could talk about regarding the Tao Te Ching, but I think that was my re-entry into a more spiritual outlook and seeing the divinity in a more patient and easing temperament, if you will.
0: Yeah, and you and I totally get off on some Tao. The 10,000 right. things rise and fall while the self, capital S, while the self watches their
1: return. Right. You know, water, that whole metaphor of how it flows in the places men reject. And if men didn't laugh at the Tao, then the Tao wouldn't be what it is. And it's kind of like Jesus, how like. And
0: the Tao that can be spoken is not the true Tao. Oh, yeah, you guys, this is how we fell in love over here. But. <laughs> even now I'm starting to realize like I remember actually the guy who got us into polyamory that we talked about in episode one the greatest skeptic of all and the smartest man I've ever known he talks a lot about you know a philosophy like the Tao is a very convenient uh, philosophy to push upon a group of people you would like to be submissive
1: right and to be clear if you're practicing it truly it's not passive it's not you're doing literally nothing right. it's that sort of non-action action
0: it's the Wu way
1: the Wu way exactly yeah. and so this leads into many of the influences that you talked about and i'll just kind of paraphrase here the 60s counterculture east meets west alan watts ram Dass, all of those guys got into the transcendentalists i remember when i met you you were going to that new thought church and i was like okay this is cool this is also kind of like a little wishy-washy but i'm here for it and of course we would get more involved he
0: came with me anyway <laughs> we would I'd, get super baked before we'd go
1: right yeah yeah we would and and listen to the sermons which were on point though kind of cheesily delivered on occasion and and the music which you know <clears throat> um, this <laughs> it is, was
0: not sister act
1: it was not sister act i mean there's our spirituality right there yeah. you know whoopi goldberg sister act Reno Nevada yeah check it out anyways new thought transcendentalists I I like all of this stuff it it resonates with me strongly that whole poets tradition and when the Jesus stuff started happening with you it kind of came in for me as well and I found myself more gravitating back to this notion of the Catholic Trinity oddly enough I love that whole metaphysics of God Jesus the Holy Spirit it just speaks to me on a deep level and I'm kind of like you where I don't really care what the story is like I don't care if Jesus was an actual historic figure if he actually existed and was tried and executed and did all of that on the cross. If that's a story that someone came up with, that's a brilliant fucking story.
0: Yeah, well, people get hung up on the Bible is a metaphor or no, the Bible literally happened and my spirituality is I literally don't care.
1: I do not care. It's
0: the same to me. I do not care. The meaning of
1: the story is still the (laughs) same whether it's, whether it was created by human beings or not. I personally don't think that it was because I don't think you can write that. It's too freaking good. The story is so beautiful and profound to me that I don't think a human being could write that story. However, I acknowledge that that could very well be incorrect, that it could have been created by human beings. If so, best story ever made
0: I mean it's not weirder than any other piece of science fiction that we love (laughs)
1: Right. No, totally. (laughs) It's
0: just one. There's shit in Mormonism that I think is fucking amazing. I can look at any religion anywhere and know immediately what resonates with me as true and what doesn't. And I'm not triggered by what doesn't. I just let it go, which is a privileged stance because my life isn't affected by what isn't true. Um, Just FYI.
1: Right. And so I'll add on the whole 12-step tradition in AA that was all very impactful and helped us through some really difficult times. And I really like the language that they use in AA. They call it their HP, their higher power, whatever that is for them. And it's something that I could see why AA would be problematic for some, because if you're not a spiritual person, it's sort of like, shuts you out in a way.
0: Well, AA says this is not a sobriety program that uses spirituality to get sober. This is a spiritual program that practices sobriety. They say that.
1: Right. Totally. But I could see someone who is more agnostic or atheist feeling like they wouldn't have a place there. And, All of that aside, I I still think it's brilliant and would recommend you go even if you don't know someone who is struggling or if you have no direct connection to that at all. I still think it's a great experience to have. That's sort of my map in short, in brief. I mean, we could talk about it all day long, but... I ping-pong around just like you, and I like to take different things from different influences and different philosophies just like you, and why why be restricted to one? Why not be polyamorous with your spirituality?
0: Well, and God is that which is infinite, and so God is expressing itself through many modes always. Uh, when we had our first baby three years ago, I was in my Jesus phase and listening to tons of worship music and crying and feeling so connected, and with this pregnancy, I am... Not feeling that way at all. I even tried to listen to some worship music the other day, and it like was not hitting. Um, I'm much more earthy right now. Like I'm much more. I want to go on a walk at my favorite park and just hear the river and feel the elements. I'm coming back more to that side of myself right now. Mm. Well, so we weren't brief. Let's be real. Let's stop saying to be brief and then not be brief.
1: Right. So uh, in in summation, <laughs> ten minutes tough. later.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. And so really this whole episode, we have eight minutes to talk about the point of this whole episode, which is polyamory, like the 12 step program, like the shamanic training program is a, ultimately a personal growth tool that brings me back to myself. So I genuinely feel that my higher power or the universe TM brings me lovers to show me something about myself. Sometimes it's just as simple as pleasure and fun. So I feel like my higher power will bring me a lover to just experience pleasure and have a good time and get some laughter medicine or some sex medicine or whatever. Sometimes I feel like When things get hard with that person, that my higher power has brought this person to me to teach me something, to give me a piece of the medicine that they carry. We all carry a piece of medicine for each Mm. other. And so whenever a lover comes my way, I'm always asking myself, what is their medicine for me? And what is my medicine for them? And what are we going to learn together? Bonus points, all my wet dreams when that person is very spiritual as well and can meet me in that space. And we can consciously talk about why did the universe pull us together? What is our higher power getting us to learn? Um, The shadow work that comes up when you start to have the difficult pieces um all Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all unhealed traumas will show up in your romantic relationships and so the more romantic relationships that you have the more opportunities you have to look in the great mirror and see what's being reflected back to you so i really see spirit working through everything in my life especially my love life and i really feel like when you have some of those really really deep twin flame relationships that God is present and pulling you deeper down into yourself to discover more of God through that other person.
1: Mm, Yes, uh, we're each on our path to awakening and the different people that we meet, lovers included, perhaps lovers especially, are there to help us on that path, whether they're aware of that or not. And if they are and you guys can talk about it or great, right? Because then you can consciously help each other whereas it's not just you absorbing the lessons individually.
0: Totally and some of my favorite sex I ever had was with a Jesus loving bisexual polyamorous Mormon boy who would like fuck me and talk to me about Jesus while he did
1: it. The way to Jess's heart ladies and gentlemen right here if you were looking and have been listening to this podcast this whole time and wondering hmm, what's the way and there you have it. And
0: it doesn't even have to be Jesus like if you have something that you can preach to me about about whatever Whatever religion gets you hard, if you want to do that while you fuck me, like... That's like, my kink. That is my kink.
1: Okay, so just to specify here, literally while it's happening, or are we talking about in the in, the in between moments?
0: Um, all of it. And so usually, like post coitus, you know, you know who That's I'm what talking I'm about. Me and this person would like be because he, he's such a great person to talk about Jesus with, and oh, he's man. such a Mormon boy. It's
1: so cute. But it's
0: so cute, and Mormonism is so weird in so many ways. But they're onto some stuff. It's like some stuff is really cool, especially the metaphysics of Mormonism. Um, not so much the details but no sometimes during one of the hottest things ever said to me was said to me by this boy we, we were dirty talking I think I told him to choke me like he loves me and then he like choked me and leaned in and he said Jesus loves you so much he would choke you too
1: I have to say if somebody came out with some shit like that on me I would be helpless. Yeah, oh
0: god. Oh, it just opened me right up. I was like, yes. And and now you all know how fucking weird I am.
1: Right, in case you <laughs> didn't know already.
0: I I just I love God so much.
1: Right. Well, I think just at an observation if God is love and the way that you love is very polyamorous in nature, it's very bubbly, it's very compersive, it's very much getting off on any kind of presence of it, whether you are involved or mm-hmm. not, that to me is very godlike. God is very compersive in my mind, mm-hmm. is, is, is happy for us, wants us to be in love and experience that
0: and in, in amen in my spirituality and faith i have no need for anyone to validate me think, agree with me mm. come on this journey with me i mean when i was i mean i was a metaphysical preacher for f- the last 4 or 5 years and there were a lot of people who were like holy shit you are the speaker i've been wanting to hear my whole life and there were other people who were like you're fucking crazy
1: <laughs> right totally yeah. when same I don't have any need for someone to validate my spirituality. You could tell me it's illogical. I fully own and admit yeah. that it is not based in rationality. It is mostly based in faith and trust. which
0: it, And a feeling. It's that a, a posteriori direct experience.
1: Intuitive, right? Yeah. And one of the overarching concepts for me is that I think it's foolish to claim to know the nature of God. No matter where you're coming from, because there's there's always something that you're not going to anticipate. You're always going to be shown another side of what love is, and therefore what God is. And you're, I think it's our job, it's our duty to come in to contact with that in and as many forms as in as many dynamic forms as possible. And polyamory very much serves that because you are going to find yourself in various different environments with various different loves. And it's Mm -hmm. going to force you to confront all of your issues around love, your ability to express it, your ability to receive it.
0: That's why my ideal partner is always someone who can speak this language with me. Because when you can look someone in the eyes and say like, do you realize that God brought us together? And and don't you wonder why? Oh, it's so.
1: I want to acknowledge too, that it's also fucking dangerous (laughs) Because when you're connecting on that level, there's a tendency to jump further along in the story of your timeline with this person than you actually are. So if you're very
0: romanticized.
1: Yeah. Well, just in the sense that when you're when you're vibrating and connecting on that level there, it's easy to skip other areas that are just as important. And it's easy yeah, to convince- I'm all
0: about, get, let's get high.
1: I know, <laughs> Let's totally. get
0: so fucking S- high on God and love and NRE and fucking and- mm.
1: Right. Let's fucking do it. But at the same time, then it's easier to romanticize this person and fall in love with not who they actually are.
0: Amen to that, babe. And I think I want to end the episode. You just said like, it's dangerous to ever think that you understand the nature of the universe. And I just want to say, if you ever think you understand the nature of the universe, you have not done enough psychedelic drugs (laughs) you need to do more (laughs) ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening to this episode of remodeled if you're still here with us (laughs) listening to this episode thank you i hope we don't lose you forever no this is who we are
1: right yeah this
0: is who we are this is who you're listening to
1: right we love you
0: yeah want to thank our executive producers home productions that's me and amy stashik more you can submit a question to us on instagram remodeled love homesliceproductions.com slash remodeled tiktok Home Slice productions anyway uh, we're gonna try to bust out two more episodes before this baby busts out
1: yeah here we go we
0: love you guys so much remember it is possible to redefine love i
1: fall in love just a little a oh, little bit every day with someone new i fall in love just a little a oh, little bit every day with someone new